0: from The Hills, reconfigure your life, change your heart, and prepare you for all that God has destined you to be. Welcome to The Hills Church. Amen, amen. I'm excited to be here today. You know, in 2020, God shared with me quite a few things about 2020 and what that was going to bring, and He shared it with me in 2019. Two things I'm going to speak about specifically, or just really quickly, but He told me that 2020 was going to be a year that made history. And he told me this December 2019, and he told me that it was not necessarily going to be a good history, but it was going to be his story. Another thing God warned me about in 2019 for 2020 was to not judge anything according to appearance, but to judge everything righteously. You'll find that in John 7:24. This is where most believers read the Bible and non-believers read the Bible and they say, Tiffany or anybody else, we shouldn't judge. But the Bible doesn't necessarily say don't judge. He says it in in one of the scriptures, but he does tell us when we do judge to do it righteously and not according to appearance. God has given me an ability to look at the body of Christ as a real body. And he's given me a lot of revelation in that. And I'm going to share some of the things with you, because when we think about the day of the Lord, I think that there are some myths. And I think that we're a body that's not necessarily prepared. It's like a body that's going into battle or a body that's trying to fight a war. And we end up, how many of you can run right here to your car and not run out of breath? I'd be a little out of breath. Don't let the skinny fool you. Skinny people can be out of breath too, okay? But if we run right now from here to our car, we will be out of breath. And that's sort of what the body of Christ will be like in the day of the Lord if we don't get it together. So this meeting is about preparing you so that when it's time for you to put on your armor, you'll be able to fit it. Armor is heavy. Yeah, armor, armor is heavy. And so we want you to be prepared for it. So obviously 2020 gave me a lot of revelation, but I'm going to speak about three things that happened last month that gave me even more revelation of the symptoms of the body that I see that are sick. And the first one I did, um, I had a meeting last month in the United States of America, which is where I'm from. Who's from the U.S.? Okay, just the people that came with me. (laughs) But I had a meeting last month and I let everybody know that there was a spirit of offense that the enemy has released on the land. A spirit of offense that the enemy has released on the land. And it's not the offense that you think about when he talk when Jesus talks about if you offend one of these little ones, it's better that you kill yourself. That's Tiffany's version. He said put a millstone around your neck, throw it into the water. It's really hard to swim back up when you have a stone. So basically, he said die. That's not the offense I'm talking about. But there's a spirit of offense that the enemy has released on the land. Some of those examples are I don't know about here, but in the United States of America we have this fight against gender pronouns. What that means is that the schools and the hospitals want you to take away the term breastfeeding, and they want you to call it chest feeding, because there are men now who are really born women who are having babies, and they don't want to be offended in the hospital. They are teaching our children in schools not to use mother and father, but people, because they're trying to take away the terms that God gave us and they're using the weapon of offense to make you bow to them. So the purpose is really to silence believers. And unfortunately, this is working, especially in the United States. Especially in the United States. People had meetings during the pandemic, church services during the pandemics, And not just unbelievers got mad at them, but believers also got mad at people that were having meetings during the pandemic. How dare you gather together and worship God when there is an infirmity happening in the land? How dare you walk around without masks on? How dare you travel? How dare you trust God? I bet we never saw a time that was coming that miracles would be offensive to even the body of Christ. Deliverance has become offensive not just to unbelievers but to believers. Anybody operating in the deliverance ministry these days, people are going to get mad at you because how dare you come and break the fallow ground of familiar spirits that have been taunting and haunting and destroying family bloodlines for centuries now. And so, this spirit of offense is really against God's prophets, it's against believers, it's against apostles. Because it's designed to make prophets, especially, shut your mouth, muzzle yourselves, and not do what God said to do. That's one of the symptoms I've seen in the body. I've been, I got saved a few short years ago. I I tell this to everybody because, and the reason I say that is because I believe that a lot of us were supposed to be working in the body of Christ a long time ago, and we feel like we need to wait our turn. We feel like there's such a thing as a junior Holy Ghost that you need to scrub toilets before you can stand up here and preach the gospel. That you feel like you have to mop floors before you go out there and witness the people on the streets. But I got saved in my shower and I had an encounter with God a few short years ago. And I didn't wait for a mic in my hand. The first ministry God put me into was a ministry of prayer and fasting. And when I began that ministry of prayer and fasting, I didn't wait for a microphone. I went to the streets. I took my friends And we began to pray with people at the gas stations and pray with people on the streets because I was hungry for God and I wanted people to experience the fire of God that I felt. But how many of you know that a prophet's job is not easy? Unfortunately, I didn't know what a prophet's job was. And I found out the hard way. So here I am, newly saved. Not just that, I have everything against me. I'm new to this. I'm a woman. I got two kids out of wedlock my God and I began to tell the body of Christ in the United States of America I was somebody that was unknown to this sphere of influence and I began to tell the body of Christ in America watch out for this don't go here and people began to say to me Tiffany who are you to judge us? Hey that's sin I know you can't see that yoga is sin I know that you think it's just stretching because the God of this world has blinded you. Not, not with your eyes, but he's blinded you mentally. That you can't even see that it's not an exercise. That you can't see the very act of yoga is worship. It's literally, it's literally Hinduistic worship. Every every pose, every downward dog you do is a worship to their God, lowercase g. Because the enemy has blinded your mind, you think it's just exercise. Do you know that Hindus are actually offended that we have turned their religion into an exercise. And here I am warning you, one of the worst sins of the Bible was idolatry. We wonder how all of these pestilences hit our land, and we don't understand that we've opened up the door for that. So I'm warning people, don't do yoga. I'm warning people, stay away from this sin. I'm warning people, hey, don't go over there. And not just unbelievers, I have unbelievers saying, Tiffany, You shouldn't say it like that. As if warning somebody to get out of a burning house requires me to have a specific tone. So last week, there was a musician. Well, two weeks ago, I'll talk about this one. Two weeks ago, there was a famous worshiper in the United States of America that was caught, unfortunately, on video cursing out his son. And it didn't, uh, you know, it's so much happening in the world, I don't necessarily have a response for everything. Many people say, Tiffany, what do you think about this? I don't necessarily give my opinion on everything because it doesn't matter. So I didn't give my opinion on that because I was like, you know, I got other things to do in my life. But then I began to see a steady stream of responses from believers. And those streams from saved people, leaders, pastors, was saying on social media, I understand why he did it. If it was my son, I'd curse him out too. Oh, y'all must have, y'all couldn't have grown up with my my grandma. My grandma would have cursed y'all out bad. And I began to get on social media and warn people and say that, hey, just because you will understand it doesn't make you right. Just because you're in agreement with that sin doesn't make you right. That there is another way to handle offense. There's another way to handle strife and conflict. That you go to that person alone. If he doesn't receive you, you take a witness. If he doesn't receive you, then you go to the church. And the believers got angry with me. I mean, attacked me. Tiffany, you should just pray. You should just mind your business. One person said to me, You better be careful before your skeletons come out of the closet. I said, You think I'm afraid of a dead skeleton rather than being afraid of a living God? The devil will never be able to taunt me with a skeleton. It's dead. If all of them fell out, what you going to do, fight me? I began to tell the people, normalize apologizing to your children. I had this burden of the Lord that was very heavy on me. And I began to say, normalize apologizing to your children. And people said, for what? Our children are supposed to honor us. And I said, I thank God because we live in a generation where believers are ignorant of the word of God. You sit, you come into these meetings and you don't know anything about the word. And I'm not, I'm not sitting up here saying, I have not read all 66 books of the Bible, but what I know, I know. And I said, you're, you're screaming that we're supposed to honor you, but doesn't the next verse say fathers provoke your children? Normalize apologizing to your children. People called me and said, why are you saying this? I don't agree. I don't feel like I have to apologize for no reason. I said, okay, well, find yourself disagreeing with God because I'm a prophet of God who speaks when spoken to. The testimonies began to pour in hundreds of people. One woman of God said she apologized to her son. She had done nothing wrong to him. And her nine-year-old son said, thank you for apologizing to me. I've had visions of killing you while you were sleeping. I put that testimony up on my social media account, and adult people said, I understand what that means. One adult woman told me when she was nine, she put rat poisoning her and her sister and her mother's food. Her mom didn't die, but that's how far the hearts of the children have gone away from their fathers and mothers. Another woman of God told her five year old, I'm sorry, she hadn't done anything wrong to the five year old. And the the baby said to her, thank you for saying I'm sorry, because I thought you loved my brother more than me. These children have offenses in their hearts that we've set there that we don't know anything about. And I found myself in Malachi 4, 6. Can you put that up for me? When he said the spirit of Elijah... Pastor Chintock talked about that yesterday, the spirit of Elijah. And he will turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the hearts of the children to their fathers, lest I come and strike the earth with a curse. And then, so I got a lot of I got a lot of flack, but, you know, I'm built for this because before I got saved, I used to fight for real. And like, you know what I'm saying? I don't know if y'all do any fight in Nigeria, but I, you know what I'm saying? I was taking you down. I was a physical fighter in the streets. So I'm built for all of this. So I got a lot of flack for that. And I was really, really befuddled about it. Like what is going on? But then last week there was a, um, a very, he's a pretty famous singer. And a few years ago, he had a song that all of our children sang over and over and over again. Last week, he put out some shoes. He had 666 pair of them. In the soles of the Nikes, there were human blood drops with a satanic symbol on them. And he said that his core audience was children. He did an interview back in January. He had a video for this where he was headed up to heaven and fell, But he fell down on a stripper pole coming down and started giving the devil a lap dance. I began to talk about this and the believers came and said, Tiffany, you should just pray for him. And I said, where have we come in the body of Christ where we can't address sin without you being offended that we addressed sin? What in his spirit was so loud that made you bow? to his ability to address your children and you feel the need not to do anything about it but just lay there and take it. Are we a body that's so asleep, so in a comatose state that we really truly need to be resuscitated back to life? And so I saw a common theme in all of these things that just was happened last month. One of those things were believers just don't know how to respond, not just in the natural, but in the spiritual to things like this. It's going to be really hard in the day of the Lord when minds are blinded. Discernment is completely gone. And not only that, the body can't see. What do you do when you take the eyes of the prophets and you shut them down and you blind them? You have a body that can't see. A blind body. Another theme I saw was that many believers are compromising. I don't want to talk about this out loud for fear that my fame is going to be ruined. My influence is going to be ruined. I won't get any more opportunities in the world. And so there's a fear to lose something that you don't really have anyway. There's a fear to lose something that only God can give you. Because let me be a sign, miracle and a wonder, I've had many people try to take me off of a platform. You can't take a man or woman of God off of a platform that God put them on. So the bigger issue here is that we have believers. So many believers that like leaders in the, in the body of Christ, that we're on social media telling people, hey, we just need to mind our businesses. Don't pay any attention to that. Now I think what the disservice is, is we don't realize that we have a new generation of believers. We've been prophesying about an outpour. We've been praying for an outpour. We've been asking God for an outpour. And now the outpour is here. Now we have a generation of new believers who haven't been discipled, haven't been trained, and don't know how to respond. And so we need to ask God as as leaders in the body of Christ, as people sitting here in the body of Christ, God, give us the ability to think multidimensionally. Give us the ability to see outside of ourselves and outside of our perspective. Allow me to get the wisdom of God, the strategy of God to say that when this person, I saw I, I prophesied and I know other people prophesied, but I didn't hear it before I did it, right? That there were going to be people with tattoos on their face with the spirit of God just going to encounter them and just going to go forth and spread the gospel. And I saw a man, he was a rapper, tattoos all over the place. He's on social media now spreading the gospel, having a radical encounter with God. And you know what I saw a woman of God say? I can't receive him because of what he has on his face. What do we do when the same people we prayed into the body we now want to kick out? What do we do when we begin to have rebellious cells? You know, in the body, rebellious cells are cancerous. And you wonder why the body of Christ is sick. We look at the symptom of a thing and try to fix the symptom without saying this cough looks like it's the root of something else. And we're in a sad day when we see people with tattoos all over the place and say we can't receive you because what we look like. As if the manifest manifestation of God is in what you look like. And the thing about what the leaders were saying was they were really encouraging everybody to mind their business. And I realized in that moment we have this doctrine of emotions that a lot of us have been following for many years. I don't feel like praying so you don't pray. I don't feel like reading the Bible so you don't read the Bible. I feel tired. So as soon as you open up the Bible, you go to sleep without realizing it's a spirit. The doctrine of our emotion is rooted in a spirit of error. And one thing about deliverance, for those of you that are in the doctrine of I'm just going to mind my business. One thing about the spirit of deliverance is that have you ever seen somebody that dealt with a spirit of homosexuality? That person comes to Christ but still seems very effeminate. Well, we have a little bit of misconception about deliverance. And I want to give you an example. Deliverance is like a house that's been flooded all the way up to the top. It's completely ruined, completely flooded. What deliverance does is it takes the water out of your house so you can now assess where the damage is. Now you can say, oh, we have a little bit of mold over here. We have something over here. We really just need to wipe out this part, but we can keep the rest of the house. Or it says we need to completely demolish the house because it's unfit for use. What deliverance does is it takes you, all the demonic spirits out of you so that now you can assess where the damage is. And the problem is our people have not been discipled. You've been delivered, but not discipled. And so we have a generation of believers who mind our business to the detriment of the rest of the body. Because when you're not healed... We are not healed. We have an outpouring that's already coming. I believe that this year we're going to see one of the greatest outpourings that our specific generation have ever seen. And if we don't get this together, we're going to see a new set of believers who do church right, but do life wrong. Can you put up Joel 2, 28 for me? And it shall come to pass afterward that I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. Not the flesh that you think is worthy. Not the flesh that you think is saved long enough. Not the flesh that you think prays hard enough at home. He says, I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. And your sons and daughters shall prophesy. And your old men shall dream dreams. And your young men shall see visions. Can you put up um, Isaiah 11 too? So when I looked at the word my spirit. I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. What I thought his spirit was, when I first got saved, I thought his spirit was just everybody was going to speak in tongues all day. I was like, okay, it's going to be in the book of Acts everywhere. I thought that that's what that was. But what his spirit is, is it says the spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him. The spirit of wisdom, understanding, the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. And what I'm going to come and talk to you today about is the spirit of repentance in the day of the Lord. The spirit of repentance is something that requires a revelation from the Holy Spirit. This is why many people don't do repentance right, because there is a way to do repentance wrong. We do repentance wrong because we don't have a revelation of what it is. One of the things that I have God giving me a revelation of is forgiveness. So I radically forgive. I don't care how bad you've offended me, how bad you betrayed me. I don't care if you stole all my money. I am radically forgiving you because God has given me a revelation on forgiveness. When you have a revelation from the Holy Spirit on repentance, you realize then that he dwells and abides in some believers, but he's been rejected and evicted out of others. How many of you know that Holy Spirit does not live in all believers? Can you take me to Acts chapter 19, verse 2? Paul said unto them, have you received the Holy Ghost since you believed? And they said, we haven't heard of there being any Holy Ghost. So we do now know that we have people that call themselves Christians that don't have the Holy Spirit. And without the Holy Spirit, you don't really know what God's true nature is. You can't really get a revelation on repentance. This is why we then see you repent today and go back into your sin tomorrow. This is why we watch you have sex today. I mean, we ain't really watch you, but you know what I'm saying? You repent, you're grieved, you ask God to forgive you with tears, and you go tomorrow and you make the same on purpose. You notice I didn't call it a mistake. Because how many of you know you don't fall on that on mistake? Am I by myself? Okay. Y'all know what I'm talking about. And the problem is, when you don't have this revelation of repentance, you then allow the spirit of your emotions, or in other words, the God, lowercase g, of your emotions to begin making decisions for you. And then we think in our and our wicked mind that God won't notice. We tend to pervert the word love and the word mercy. We think that God's love and mercy, and he's the loving God, and he is a merciful God, but we also forget that he's also a God of judgment. The Bible says that God will not be mocked. Can you turn to uh, Galatians 6, 7 for me, and then have up Hosea 10, 12 after that? One of the things that I don't think the body has done is discern properly the time and seasons that we're in. One of the things God told me about 2021 was that this was going to be your Jehovah Tiskanu. God, our righteousness. He also told me that we're in a season of reaping. This is not no longer a season of sowing, but we're in a season of reaping what we have already sowed. Good or bad. Galatians 6, 7 says, be not deceived. God is not mocked. Be not deceived. Be not deceived to think that you continue on in your sin. Be not deceived that you think that you can continue in your sin and God is not going to notice. In his mercy, he has not acknowledged it. But be not deceived, he won't be mocked. For whatsoever a man sows, he will also reap. Hosea 10, 12, sow to yourselves in righteousness, reap in mercy. Break up fallow ground, for it is time to seek the Lord till he come and rain righteousness upon you. Can you go to verse 13? But you have plowed wickedness and you've reaped iniquity. You've eaten the fruit of lies because you trusted in your own way and the multitude of mighty men. So we see here, when you sow seeds of sin, you're going to reap judgment. And even now, here's the thing about this. If you even now today begin to sow seeds of righteousness, many people think that they can sin for years. Sow sins of righteousness and all of a sudden receive the mercy. That's not how that works. This is why you then begin to see people in right standing with God and still bad things happen. You will eventually receive mercy in the next harvest. But you will reap what you sow. So the question I want to ask all of you today is, we all sow seeds. What seeds have you been sowing? And when you look at your life right now. Could it be that you're reaping what you've been sowing for years now? Or you're reaping what you sold five years from now, even though you've been in right standing for a year. I want to look at the word fallow ground. Can you go back to verse 12? Fallow ground is hard and stubborn. He says, break up fallow ground, break up fallow ground, break up fallow ground. Fallow ground is hard and stubborn. It's resistant to seed. It won't allow the seed of the word of God to penetrate into your heart and be fruitful. And again, that's why you've been saved for 20, 30 years and nothing has changed. How do you break up fallow ground to seek God? When? He said, do it now. It's time. So that the next harvest, you'll begin to bear fruit. And you seek the ground until the harvest comes. If you go to verse 13, he says, Because you trusted in your own way. Because you've trusted in your own way. One of the worst sins that we can ever make is when we trust in our own way and our own ability to do things in our own sight. I love the story of David. And this is what many ministers use as license to sin. But the story of David was not a license to sin. It was actually a warning not to do it. David was only a man after God's own heart when he was not in sin. The moment he stepped outside of that, he was no longer a man after God's own heart. It wasn't until he repented and turned back to God that he became back in that position. But he was not without sowing what he had reaped. And while it didn't happen to him, it happened to his children. So I want to just talk about some fruits of an unrepented heart very quickly. You can go to Hebrews 4.13 and then Matthew 10.26. One of the fruits of unrepented heart is the fact that you stopped asking God for help. You stop asking God to guide you, to lead you, to tell you what to do next. Anybody in here in this state, you have an unrepented heart and it's a spirit of pride. The spirit of pride shows up in many different forms. Many people think it's pride when you have a lot of money and you're haughty and you don't want anybody to talk to you. But pride is a sneaky thing. It allows you to not ask God for help or anybody else for help when you really need it. Another fruit of unrepented heart is your ability to hide and conceal sin. It said in Hebrews 4.13, there is no creature hidden from his sight, but all things are naked and open to the eyes of him to whom we must give an account. Go to Matthew 10.26 for me. Therefore, do not fear them for there is nothing covered that will not be revealed and hidden that will not be known. You might can fool me, but you can't fool God. Another fruit of an unrepented heart is your hope to enjoy undisturbed your sin. You come in here and you leave out and you hope that nobody sees what you have going on. That's a fruit of an unrepented heart. I'm giving you the fruit because... Many people are deceived into thinking that we repented and we're right standing with God. But whenever you see fruit in somebody's life that lets you know that there's a root somewhere deep inside. And one of those roots is that your heart is still hasn't been repented. And again, we're talking about the spirit of repentance in the day of the Lord, because nothing can go forth without that spirit coming in first. Another fruit of an unrepentant heart is a broken spirit. Many of you right now are suffering from a broken spirit. The guilt of your sin. Keeping you silent when you should be condemning sin, speaking up against the sin. Now you don't feel like you're qualified to speak against the sin because you're in the sin. When you're repented, God washes you clean as snow. It's like you've never done it before. The fruit of an unrepented heart is also leading multitudes away from obedience to God because of their knowledge of your sin. Can you take me to Psalms chapter 1? Another fruit of our unrepented heart is leading multitudes from obedience because of their sin of your because of their knowledge of your sin blessed is the man what's the opposite of blessed blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly this is for those of you that feel like you can learn from teachers that are witches and warlocks Well Tiffany I can just eat out the meat and spit out the bones that's nowhere in the bible Because how many of you know when you're really hungry and you're a babe. We don't know where the bones are. We don't have the ability not to choke on bones. Blessed is the man who walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the sorrowful But I want you to go back to nor stands in the way of a sinner. Blessed is the man, which means cursed is the one that stands in the way of the sinner. How do you do that? Telling everybody you're a Christian, but still having sex with the women of God in the church. How do you do that? You're standing in the way of a sinner. Going out, getting drunk with people, and they're like, isn't that supposed to be a man of God? Isn't that supposed to be a woman of God? You're standing in the path of somebody that was going to bring their life to Christ, but now cannot because of your sin. Can you go with me to Romans 5.19? For as by one man's disobedience many were made sinners, so also by one man's obedience many will be made righteous. How many of you know that one person's yes, many will be made righteous, but one of your no's, sin from you, will turn multitudes away from God. That's the fruit of an unrepented heart. And the last fruit is your examples are passed down to your children. Your examples are passed down to your children. One of the stories in the Bible that remind me of a spirit of repentance is a story of Esther. And I have a different perspective about the story of Esther than many people have. I am actually one of the people that don't think that Vashti was wrong. I've heard many people preach about Vashti and preach against Vashti and say that she lost the kingdom because she was disobedient to her husband. But I did a little bit more digging. And I realized that King Xerxes was known as a foolish king. King Xerxes was an alcoholic. We hear that King Xerxes was so foolish that one day while he was trying to build a bridge, the waves of the ocean was destroying the work that they were doing. And he had the soldiers go out with whips to whip the ocean. If that's not a fool, I don't know what is. And this man during a time of feasting, with all of his drunk friends, the Bible says they were able to drink until their hearts were content. I mean, just, just just sloppy. And he called his wife out and he said, I want you to show yourselves to my friends while they're drunk. And she said, no. And when she said no, obviously to the king, his friends was like, we have to do something about this or all the women in the land are going to start telling us no. So they punished her for doing what was morally ethical, which was to say no to her husband in that moment. And I know we have a doctrine that believes that we're supposed to be obedient to our husbands no matter what. And, you know, we are supposed to submit. But even in the New Testament, we have proof of Ananias and Sapphira when her husband told her to lie and they both gave up the ghost, or in other words, died. So as long as our husbands are following God, we are to follow them. But the moment our husbands get out of the will of God, begin to follow the kingdom of darkness, we are to continue following God. Vashti did not lose her kingdom because she was a foolish woman. She lost it because she was ethical. And unfortunately, sometimes when you do the right thing, the wrong thing still happens. So the kingdom was given to Esther. And I know many people look at this story as a lot of wisdom that went on, but I saw this story as the spirit of repentance was released because Mordecai actually made a mistake. And this is the revelation I got of it. And the mistake that Mordecai made was hiding God. When he told Esther, don't tell them that you're a Jew. We often think he did that in his wisdom, but it actually wasn't wisdom because it preceded what Haman did in that moment, which was, to come against the Jews and say I want to exterminate them or in other words I'm Hitler now I'm going to kill all of the Jews. The Bible says if you deny me I'll deny you. And so here we have a story of a man that was had the right intentions but still sinned by denying God. And then we see this great big terrible thing begin to happen where this man was able to go to the king because the king did not know his wife was a Jew and say, I want to kill all of the Jews because they did this bad thing and the king was like, okay, let's do it. And now they have to go through this exercise of prayer and fasting to get this back in order. And it was in that fasting when when Queen Esther said, I don't want any parts of this. I I can't even go to the king. I need permission first. That's when her uncle Mordecai said to her, if you don't do it, if you don't die now, you'll die later. And so when they began to pray and fast, no food, no water, three-day dry fast, 72 hours, the kids, everybody. The spirit of repentance hit the land and that's when God heard them. And so for our preparation for the day of the Lord, it starts with the spirit of repentance. It is important that you don't leave here understanding that. When the Bible says in Psalms 91, he that dwelleth under the secret place of the Most High God shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I want us to learn how to abide under the umbrella of repentance. When we do that, it releases a hunger for God. Repentance releases a deep hunger for God. Revelations chapter 2, I want you to read that when you get home. That's a scripture that God has had on my heart for really about a year now. He says, I'm proud of you. I love how you're coming against these fake apostles. I love how you're going and doing the work of ministry. But there's one thing I have against you, and that's that you've left your first love. Repent, lest I take out your candlestick. Many people are striving. We're being Martha in a merry world. We're striving for God's love. We're striving for God's attention. But the one thing that we really need to do is return back to our first love. And that starts with the spirit of repentance. The spirit of repentance also releases the ability to live more intimately and lovingly with other people. It releases an awareness of what's blocking our hunger to God and releases us from a spirit of poverty, spiritual poverty. Bible says, don't ignore this, that with the Lord, one day is like a thousand years and a thousand years like one day. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. And if you hear God's voice today, I want you not to harden your heart. Thanks for listening to this message from the Hills Church. Our mission is to love people, connect with family, and touch the world. Learn more on our website at www.EcclesiaHills.org or email us at elo.EcclesiaHills.org. At